research and development and the role it plays in reshaping food systems in Africa. We also look at Emirates reducing its flights to Nigeria. That and more in this episode. Good morning, Africa, and welcome aboard your pulse on everything business in Africa. I am Ritha Dong. For more, follow us on Twitter at The K Financial, and you can find me at Ritha Dong. Research and development plays such a critical role in reshaping food systems in Africa. For sustained research and development on the continent, there is need for sustained government commitment to strengthen national R&D investments, increased investments in locally relevant adaptive national level agriculture research and development, and more importantly, stronger cooperation between national and international research systems and private sector partnerships. Chris Mitchell, Managing Director and Partner at the Boston Consulting Group Nairobi, joins us for this episode to expound on the role of research and development and its contribution to agriculture of the future. The agro-industrial majors, four companies make up about 70% of the combined revenue. Uh, And it's in their interest economically to serve those markets with the largest farmers who have the most money to spend on their products, uh, be those fertilizer, agrochemicals, irrigation, mechanization, or seeds. And as a result, there isn't as much exposure uh, to Africa. And there is a need to tailor those business models. But as you say, to actually do the research and development to ensure that crops like uh, millet and fonio uh, and sorghum and sweet potato receive as much R&D spending as wheat, rice, and maize. Today, that just simply does not happen. And it's not just generic research, as you say. It's research-specific to the agroecological zones and to the techniques that are used by Africa's smallholder farmers. Now, there are, of course, great research institutions across the continent that that, uh, do do this, but their ability to commercialize that research and get it out in terms of distribution with the right kind of financing for those inputs to be adopted by farmers is often where things fall down. So absolutely, research and development um, is required. Now, having said that, let us also be clear that many of the, the, the practices that are high yielding, resilient and adaptive are already used by African farmers. We already have in, integrated pest management being used in Makwini County uh, for, for mango production. In Malawi, we already have the Faid Herbia tree, which provides 300 kilograms of fertilizer per hectare. Uh, and Malawian farmers know that and they know where to plant it. They know how to identify that tree. We have solar powered irrigation giving farmers more power over uh, water uh, and its usage in production. And in Ethiopia, we have crop rotation and crop diversification efforts where there has been much more research done on high yielding seed varietals for crops uh, such as uh, millet. And across the continent, we have livestock management and natural grazing patterns where livestock waste is used as soil uh, nutrients for the subsequent seasons. So what I'm advocating for is not that we need to wait for the agro-industrial majors, but we need to codify and we need to share the best practices of Africa's farmers using African inputs to drive African productivity. So there's a big part of this, which is about being self-reliant and understanding that we have within our our borders the ability to use our own inputs and our own know-how to increase productivity. And I think that it's very important we do more research and development on these local inputs. And of course, I'm not being dogmatic. We may still very much need to use, uh, at times, synthetic fertilizer or uh, agrochemicals, which are being 
important, but we should use them in the most efficient way, both economically and ecologically, uh, as we really want to avoid the kind of monoculture production systems uh, that we see in other parts of the world, which are now facing very serious issues in terms of exploitation of water assets, uh, poor soil, and great degradation of uh, environmental resources. And a quick look at the other stories making it into the podcast, the National Bank of Angola has kept its benchmark policy rate at 20% amid positive signs in the national economy, particularly in the area of price stability, despite uncertain and volatile global economic outlook. Angola's annual inflation rate eased for the fifth straight month to a near two-year low of 22.96% in June of 2022 from 24.42% in the previous month, helped by favorable currency movements and amid deceleration in prices of food and non-alcoholic beverages, communications and hotels, cafes and restaurants. Nevertheless, the committee agreed to reduce the mandatory reserve ratio in the national currency from 19% to 17%. Emirates Airlines says it will reduce the number of flights to Nigeria from August 15th due to failure to repatriate its revenue from the country. The airline disclosed this in a letter dated July 22nd, addressed the Nigerian Minister of Aviation, Hadi Srika, and signed by the DSVP, International Affairs Majid Al-Mula. The letter noted that as of July, Emirates had 85 million US dollars of funds awaiting repatriation from Nigeria. It says the figure has been rising by more than $10 million every month, while operational costs of 11 weekly flights to Lagos and five to Abuja continue to accumulate. The airline said these funds are urgently needed for them to meet their operational costs and maintain the commercial viability of services to Nigeria. According to the bilateral air service agreements, BASA, with countries, airline tickets are mostly sold in Naira, while the airlines would repatriate the funds in dollars through the country's central bank. Emirates says it has tried to stem the losses by proposing to pay for fuel in Nigeria in Naira, which would have at least reduced one element of its cost, but this request was denied by the supplier. The letter also explained that meetings were also held with Emirates Bank in Nigeria and in collaboration with the International Air Transport Association to discuss improving forex allocation, but with limited success. With increasing prices continuing to squeeze living standards worldwide, taming inflation should be the first priority for policymakers. This is according to the International Monetary Fund. IMF says targeted fiscal support can help cushion the impact on the most vulnerable part with government budgets stretched by the pandemic and the need for a deflationary overall macroeconomic policy stance. Such policies will need to be offset by increased taxes or lower government spending. Tighter monetary conditions will also affect financial stability, requiring judicious use of macroprudential tools and making reforms to debt resolution frameworks all the more necessary. According to IMF, policies to address specific impacts on energy and food prices should focus on those most affected without distorting prices. As the pandemic continues, vaccination rates must also rise to guard against future variants. The IMF says mitigating climate change continues to require urgent multilateral action to limit emissions and raise investments to hasten the green transition. Thank you for always waking up with us. Good Morning Africa is a product of the K-Financial. If you have any suggestions or you just want to check out more stories, visit our website. That is thekfinancial.com. And don't forget to subscribe. You can also find us on all social media platforms at the K-Financial. And you can find me at With the Dawn.